All right, here we go. Man, Nikola Jokic expected to be a two-time MVP. Monty Williams wins coach of the year and suddenly... The playoffs are looking a lot more competitive than we thought. I'm Rosa Panta. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Feeling good. Feeling great. I have a interesting question to ask the gentleman here. Okay. You're at the altar. If you had to pick a pair of Jordans to wear, what do you wear? Oh, man. Ooh. All right. Sammy, how you living, my friend? I am good, my friend. Good to be here. Uh, memory serves me correctly. I believe I am going with the fives. Oh, in black, okay. In black and gray. Nice. RJ, I got to bring you in this, man. Yeah. I mean, I know everyone does it, but it's got to be Space Jams. Dang. That's where I was going, too. JJ, where were you going? All right. I wore the 12s. Or no, the 11s for, with the patent leathers. That's a cop-out answer. I wore the 5s for junior prom at my wedding. If, well, not gonna, it's not going to happen again, but... <laughs> 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 I wore the 4s, dude. I, I can't mess with the 4s. Those are so dope. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, we're going to get to some basketball here. The Phoenix Suns are currently playing the Dallas Mavericks. It's 97... 76 actually it's 80 100 now in the fourth quarter it looks like the suns pretty much have this wrapped up i want to actually start with some news that came out before game four where monty williams wins coach of the year this was surprising to some do you guys think this was the the right person to get this award yeah I do. I I think it's it's something we take for granted in sports across the board, not just basketball, where if a coach does really well for one year, then it's almost an expectation that that team is just going to be elite. And I don't think we necessarily respect how hard it is to maintain an elite level of play across multiple years. And with Monty Williams and Phoenix this year, they not everyone stayed healthy the whole year. They had some injury issues here and there, but they cruised the whole time. I mean, the number one seed wasn't in question for pretty much the last two months or month and a half, pretty much. I mean, that's an impressive yeah. role. That's true. I thought yeah. Taylor Jenkins did a tremendous job in Memphis and he should have been up there as well. I believe he finished in second. I agree. But I, I do believe Monty Williams 100% uh, deserves the award. I think either one of those two would have been a great choice, but you got to commend him for the job he did this year in Phoenix. What do you guys think? Yeah, I thought the NBA, they had to give it to Monty just to make it up from last year where they gave, they gave it to Thibs, right? And I felt right. that Monty was more deserving given the fact that this was a 30 plus win team and the addition of Chris Paul and the role players and they made it super deep where they even reached the finals and they were favored to win the finals for some people that, you know, he did a tremendous job. Uh, he wasn't my pick for this year. I mean, he deserved it, but I thought Udoka, just because they're oh, really interesting. heavily favored to win, is essentially the same core, same squad as last year with Brad Stevens. And Brad Stevens, I felt was a really, really great coach. And he just put that team on a whole new level where they're making 
Giannis human, look human, and they they bullied KD. So yeah. props props to Udoka, but shout out to uh, Monty Williams for winning the award. Yeah, definitely shout out to Monty Williams. He wasn't my pick either. It actually was Taylor Jenkins. Like the fact that Ja missed a big chunk of time, Dylan Brooks missing a big chunk of time. Everyone expected that team to really slide, even people in Memphis who I'm not going to particularly shout out their particular names who thought that they might be like an eighth seed at best, right? And they climbed Ooh. all the way back up, all the way back up to what, two? They're a two seed? That's a two. That's absolutely crazy. Like, and you do that in a deep, deep West. Yep. So he was definitely my choice, but I, I get it with Monty Williams. I did think he got snubbed last year. So they sort of corrected that. But let's get back to this series here. We thought that the Phoenix Suns had this pretty much handled, right? Going up 2-0, winning in dominating fashion, hunting Luka Doncic late in games, right? Tiring him out. But then suddenly, game three and four, Dallas makes this a series. Sammy, how does Dallas make this a 3-2, now 3-2 series? So... If you look at what happened in Dallas, a couple things happened that I think really turned the tide for them at home. The biggest one by far, look at the shooting splits when they went back, particularly the role players. Game four, yeah. Luka goes nine to 25. Right there, if you looked at nothing else, you would assume that that game was a blowout going to Phoenix. But then you turn around and look at Dorian Finney-Smith, who is a solid player, don't get me wrong, goes eight to 12 from deep. Bertans goes four of six. They hit 45% right. from deep and hit 23s. What? That that was the turning tide. But the thing for me, and this is easy to say now that they just lost by 30 points, those kinds of shooting performances tend not to be sustainable. If you're hitting 12 to 15 threes a game, shooting 35, 36%, that's one thing. But when players are shooting like that and just can't miss, like I don't know if you saw at the end, near the end when they were running away with game four, Finney Smith literally had a heat check from like the the deepest part behind the line, like a 26 footer, didn't touch the rim. And you could just tell at that point, that game's over. But you go back to a game like tonight and you look at where they're at now, outside of Doncic and Brunson, one other player, Bertans ironically, hit double figures. And the role players came back to earth tonight. Doran Finney Smith had eight, Bertans had 10, Dinwiddie had two. Cleaver had four. This is the problem with Dallas's build is that it's hard when you don't have more than one star to find the offense to compete with a high-powered team like this. So for them going back home, I think it's going to come down to their role players. Their role players have to match the star power of Phoenix and just over a best of seven, that's very difficult. So we'll see if they can do it going back home. Jay, what were your thoughts on how this went? Yeah, you know, you hit... The nail on the head. I just wanted to cover the fact that the series is 3-2 because Chris Paul hasn't been performing the last three games. Yeah. The fact that, you know, game four, he had more fouls than actual points is a huge concern. And our boy here, Sammy, has probably watched the most footage of Chris Paul out of us four Hated. and you could probably attest that as you go deeper and deeper in the playoffs it's and i think it's a fair criticism that chris paul can he hang can he stay healthy 
can he play at an elite level when you have these superstars like Luca who are hunting him down? And even Jay Kidd said, you know, he said, Luca's learned from the best on the other side of the team in terms of drawing fouls, which he was referring to Chris Paul, right? But not only that, like, if you see how Luca plays, he's like a huger version of Chris Paul where he just controls the floor and he's. He looks out for that mismatch. Cameron Payne has been struggling, and a huge reason to that is Luca hunts him down. So I really want to see what Jason Kidd and Luca will do in Dallas. Like Sammy said, the role players need to come through in order to beat this pretty much stacked Suns team that hasn't had any issues all year. Right. And like JJ, to your point, I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle off Chris Paul's stats here. So, game three, 12 points. Game four, five points with six fouls. That's the one that you were talking about, right? And actually, tonight. What's tonight? In this win, seven points Uh for Chris Paul. And this seems really strange, right? And all all the Chris Paul haters are coming out right now. If you look at Reddit, they're like, see, I told you. I told you he can't perform in the playoffs. He's not going to last. Sammy, are you worried about Chris Paul right now? Have to be on on some level. And yeah, did did mm-hmm. the did Dallas figure something out that you think other teams could use going forward? I think so. And I noticed and we were talking about this right before we started tonight. To me, it said something that it was late in this game. It was a 19 point game already, but Jalen Brunson came down on a possession and just backed Chris Paul right into the post. And if you go back five, six years, a six foot to six foot two guard wouldn't have dreamt of doing that to him. And so that told me psychologically, there's no fear there. And that's big. And this wasn't the exact same thing, but I heard a very interesting comparison earlier comparing his game in game four to the game five meltdown he had against Oklahoma City in 2014. And so obviously I'm the Clippers fan here. I remember this game a lot more vividly. They were up six in the final minute. He tried to draw a shooting foul when he didn't need to, when he was just gonna get fouled, turn the ball over. Then he turned it over again. They blew the game, lost by two. And the comparison and the the logic I heard, which was interesting is that sometimes he almost tries to outthink the game and he's almost too smart for his own good in terms of like, Sometimes you just need to let the play happen. And I think when he drew the fifth foul in game four, it was a case like that, where he was just overdoing it. Mm -hmm. And so you almost wonder, and I would throw this out there to you both, um, over these playoffs as we've watched him, do you think that maybe mentally he's trying to compensate for his age a little bit more than maybe we thought during the regular season where he could pace himself and now the minutes are going up and we're seeing the result? I actually have a hot take. I don't think, well, I think age is part of it, but I think the league is catching up to his foolish actions. And now they're not, they're calling out his BS. Mm-hmm. Like oh, those okay. fouls were like the rip through or like if there's a trailer, he'll go in front of the trailer to catch that foul. Right, right. They're calling and, that kind of jump a, backwards a little bit. Jump yeah. backwards, exactly like the what Trey Young does, and the league is catching on to that. So the foolery isn't there anymore. People aren't 
like catching up to that but that's one element i will say that edge that age will play a part of it i do think that however chris paul's game his style fits his age which is he doesn't need to be super athletic he needs to think cerebral but he's not making cerebral plays it's uh i like your analogy uh sammy which is he might be too smart for his game i think other critics will say he just makes boneheaded plays when you don't have to Mm. which one is it is he too smart or (laughs) the pressure is too much where he just does something maybe in the pressure situation he overthinks it because he thinks he's too smart and as a result he makes the boneheaded play yeah like i like what you did there and i think part of it is also on the other side the dallas maverick side i mean it's jason kidd and jason kidd knows what it's like to be an older point guard and it's probably like hey let's test this guy out a little bit and see mm-hmm. what he really has and you know it's actually paying dividends because now they've actually made this a series with all that said phoenix suns are still up they're up 3-1 right now what happens game three, six? Two. Three, two. Oh, three, sorry three two um what happens the next game game six do they close it out or are we gonna head for a game seven? Oh man i really want a game seven i'm gonna say it ends at dallas but prove me wrong dallas. okay Bring me wrong, Luca, please. I yeah. want a game seven, but I'm with you on this too. And I'm also looking at this after game four. Didn't that narrative look kind of similar to what we saw in round one against the Pelicans? Yep. Yeah. It's yep. repeating itself. That's and, true. And I think obviously Dallas is better than the Pelicans because they've got a top five player in basketball. But I I think this ends in six. I'm, I'm, I'm calling a game seven here. I hope you're right. I'm, and part I of it... I, I hope I'm right too. As a Warrior fan, it'd be great to have this series go longer. But you just told us that Jay Crowder might have an injury. And that's actually very concerning to me because Jay Crowder actually plays a pretty important role. Um, anyway, let's, let's take us to the next series here. The Miami Heat and the 76ers. Before we dive too deep into this, I want to mention that Joel Embiid might have been snubbed here because Nikola Jokic ends up with the MVP. Do you guys think this was the proper crowning for this award? Sammy and I were right with that pick. Yeah. We, you I don't know right. if we agreed with it, but we predicted that he would win it, right, Sammy? I think yep. I think you said that he was the most deserving, but you, I thought you guys thought Embiid was going to win it. You guys said... On, no. We went six and two on diagnosed no lines because I called it on there at plus money, no less, my friends. Oh, my bad. My bad. Maybe I was just thinking of myself. You and John I, got it wrong. Yeah, so. I, I really thought Joel Embiid was going to win this one. Shout out to John, by the way. I like how we shout out John when he loses something. Right. Um, I thought Embiid deserved it. Don't get me wrong, but it felt yeah. like... When I when I made that pick personally, Jay, I don't know if you were thinking this too. I'm going off narrative, and the narrative for Denver the whole year was we're not healthy, and they're yeah. not healthy, and he carried them. And I mean, say what you want either way about how the season finished. Obviously, they got rolled out of the playoffs, but that is a regular season award that we have to remember. And mm-hmm. Jokic as a player himself, particularly offensively, is is a magician, man. I mean, he's obviously by his own admission not as athletic as a lot of the elite players in the league are but his just basketball IQ is off the charts now that being said 
if you handed this to Embiid this year, I would not have questioned it in the slightest. He was incredible this year. And I think what he's doing right now, given he has a torn ligament in his thumb, he had a mild concussion, he has a broken bone in his eye, and the guy is just still going out and balling, man. Like, much respect to, to do that. And doing all this with Doc as the head coach. Sorry, I had to throw that out there. <laughs> no, that's a, that's... That's uh, that's legit. You know, to, to add on to that, I felt pretty guilty that I picked Jokic just because I'm very hesitant to pick a lower seed or a, an MVP that represented a lower seed during the sixth seed where Embiid was, what, the third, I want to say? Third or? The third. Third seed. So I guess. No, excuse me. Know, I'm sorry. Fourth, Jay. Fourth, sorry. About sorry that. Yeah. yeah. My, my mistake. And. You know, when we talk about MVP, everyone has their different standards, their their different requirements. When I looked at Jokic, he made everyone on his team better. And he didn't True. have the supporting staff that um, Embiid had. So I wanted to shout out Jokic for that. However, I did read this and it made me think, damn, they might have a good point. How does, do you feel slightly guilty, gentlemen, that Jokic has two MVPs, but Kobe only has one. Bruh. Dude, I'll defer to you. I, am, I feel so dirty right now, dude. That's you know like, what I mean? Even thinking about that makes me right. feel gross. Sammy, what about you? Yeah, I mean, and the other thing is, and I'm not disparaging another great player here, but Steve Nash won back-to-back, and Kobe has one, and I know that the year that... Nash got the second one. I think Shaq probably should have gotten it. Yeah. I just think the standard has has changed, and it's hard to compare eras in that regard. But yeah, like looking back on that in hindsight, the fact that a top ten player of all time is one, and others who are great players have two, and particularly back to back ones, it's it's a little tough to swallow, and it'll yeah it'll be reflected in the history books in that way. And you mm-hmm. know, I'm I'm gonna bring this up as far as. Um back-to-back MVPs go because he joins the list as the 13th player to do this and when I name off the other players I want you to think about his supporting cast Nikola Jokic's supporting cast and you tell me if he's had the worst supporting cast out of all these MVPs that went back-to-back Giannis Antetokounmpo Steph Curry LeBron James twice he did it with the Heat and the Cavs Nash Tim Duncan Michael Jordan Magic Johnson Larry Bird Moses Malone Kareem Abdul-Jabbar twice with the Lakers and the Bucks, Wilt Chamberlain, and Bill Russell. Okay. The question I have to ask, because there's only one debatable one in that group for me, what years were LeBron's? Yes. LeBron's, LeBron's was 08 and 09. Was that when the second best player on the team was like Larry <laughs> Hughes or Anton Jamison and Eric Snow? <laughs> it no was. No offense to all those it players. Was. But... Okay. There's it your was. There's the comparison, right? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that absolutely ridiculous, though? That just shows how good Nikola Jokic really is to win this award back to back with his supporting cast. And the second year, he didn't even have Michael Porter Jr. or uh, Jamal Murray. Well, that's the thing. The first year cast wasn't bad. Like, Murray's a great player. I mean, he had that breakout in the bubble in those playoffs. But this year, what he put together was magical, man. It was an incredible year. Right. Um, now let's get to the Miami Heat and 76ers here. They end up making this a series, the 76ers, because Joel Embiid comes back, 
clearing concussion protocol and now wearing a mask for game three and four, Harden starts doing some crazy stuff, like turning back the hands of time for game four. Were you guys shocked by the 76ers fight here, or did you guys kind of expect the 76ers to make this a 3-2 series? I thought that it was going to be actually a 4-0 series. Heat. Me too. Because Doc Rivers, terrible coaching the first two games. <laughs> to be frank, and shout out to you, Sammy, you even said this, where Doc Rivers is super stubborn, and he was just like, let's match the playing style of the Heat. I'm just going to go ahead and play. Who did he play at center? Uh, my old friend, DeAndre Jordan. Yes. <laughs> Who got cut, I want to say, by the Lakers or waved or whatever. Waved. Like, so yeah. Traded, yep. Right? Mm-hmm. So you said a few pots ago that, you know, a smart coach, they need to get quote unquote weird and try something new, man. Like throw them off their game. And he was stubborn, man. And I felt, you know, I agreed with you that you do need to get weird. That's what the Grizzlies did last night with their lineup. They got weird. And I've heard this from another pod and I agreed with it. Sammy, like, are you surprised that it's 3-2 as well? I am. I, I thought it would end in four or five as well. I will say, again, man, shout out to Embiid. Yeah. All those injuries to come back in game three. I think that it gave the team obviously a huge emotional lift. And it's not just that he came back. He came back explaining 35 minutes. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he's right. showing no fear and he kind of saved Doc and he saved them in the series. And then Harden, who I have railed on continually, had a hell of a game in game four. He he was great in that game. Yeah. And so I, I'm definitely surprised by it, but I don't think it was any brilliant strategic moves. I just think Embiid lifted that team up because he is that good. and. For, I think for the rest of those guys on that team, if you see clearly the guy who's your leader and a top two player in the league fighting through all that to be on the court, like how do you not get fired up and go all out? You know, I think yeah, it provided Ben Simmons, too. dude. <laughs> I agree. And you know, like talent is going to take you, you know, so far. But then eventually coaching needs to take place. And, you know, Sammy, you said it pretty great there which was it wasn't some stroke of genius that doc had it was just an emotional lift and that's why they ended up stealing games or winning games three and four i totally agree with you on that point i want to ask game six is this series over i'm gonna say no i think this goes back to miami and i say that okay a big part of it is this and i know that dallas just got blown out too and i'm picking that to end in six when a team with a potential MVP looks this bad in a game, typically they bounce back bigger than most expect. That's why from from a gambling perspective, if you ever look at a game like this, typically the smart money in the next game flips to whoever got blown out because usually they don't have that kind of back-to-back performance in right. the national spotlight. So... So Embiid was with, let's see, let's see, 17 points. No one shot five well. Rebounds. Yeah, yeah, 17 and five for him. Tobias had 12, and Tobias has been underrated in these playoffs. He's actually averaged 18, shooting 50%. Maxi was terrible in this game. Harden, frankly, played like he has in every game except game four, so that is what it is. <laughs> right. Uh, but everyone shot as poorly as possible. They shot 36%. I mean, 
just going off your standard swings and Miami shot 54. Miami does not shoot that well. I think both of those things swing and I don't think it necessarily be a blowout, but I personally think this goes back to Miami for game seven. What do you guys think? JJ. I think it's going to end in game six. I don't know. I'm not really buyers of the 76ers today when I watched it. It's just a really weak game, man. Like the Sixers didn't even give any effort, low energy on defense, didn't box out. Mm-hmm. And they just watched their MVP get totally bullied, man. It was so sad. Like Danny Green, two for four. I got to really re- like state what you guys were just saying with the stats. Maxi two for 10 and then James Harden with just 14 points. Bonafide like the James Harden of like what we know from the Rockets is this dude could erupt for over 35 points. Triple double master with at least 10 rebounds, 10 assists. You're playing with the MVP. You wanted this. I want, I expect more. I think the fans expect more from you, James Harden. Yeah, I I agree. I expected more from James Harden as well. I thought maybe a change of scenery with literally like one of the best centers in the league. He should be able to dominate and create whatever he wants, but that's just not the James Harden of now, of 2022. That's just not him. And that's why I think this series is going to end um, in game six, because I think Miami was kind of caught off guard with Joel Embiid coming back. They had to kind of adjust to that. And they also had their home crowd. But now I think after coming back home um, in Miami in game five, they've gotten settled in, dialed in, and completely just spanked them 120 to 85. I'm going to expect the Miami Heat to win game six. But, you know, we're going to take a short break with a word from our sponsor. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I'm taking us to Golden State Warriors, Memphis Grizzlies. The buildup has been absolutely crazy for this series. I mean, first it's Dylan Brooks breaking the code, as Steve Kerr says. Then John Morant puts out a tweet saying that Jordan Poole broke the code now. And then John Morant is seen like dapping up Jordan Poole. So everyone's like, hey, is everything okay now? This is just an absolutely wildly dramatic physical series that I did not expect with a bunch of side stories here. But the Warriors go up 3-1 in literally like a sort of like a weirdly poorly played game by mm-hmm. the Warriors. 101 to 98. Did you see anything, JJ, that the Grizzlies were doing to kind of stifle the Warriors or was this just bad play? Steven Jackson and Jen Jackson in the middle of the key totally changed the dynamic of the Warriors offense. You saw in uh, the previous game where Jordan Poole and Steph, they got whatever they wanted driving to the rim, especially Poole. Mm. He made it like his own buffet in the middle of the key. It's like what Sammy said, what we just discussed a few minutes ago, which is the Grizzlies wanted 
to make the Warriors uncomfortable, completely change up their playing style. And Steven Adams was a plus 13. Where yeah. was he at at the end of the game? What are they thinking? Yes, sir. Yeah, I, like, I completely agree. That is a good question. I completely agree. And you know, um, I'll, I spent a little time dabbling in like Memphis Grizzlies Reddit world. Uh-huh. And their criticism of Taylor Jenkins, like it's completely flip-flop. Earlier in the, yeah. like like for the postseason, like right when the postseason started, they're like, this guy should win coach of the year, yada, yada, yada. And now they're like, we need to, we need a coaching change for next year because this isn't the guy. And the big one was, was Steven Adams, right? Taking this long to just try him because obviously he was very effective in this game. The second one is people feel like there should be a shorter leash on Dylan Brooks, who's been really bad. Sammy, do you feel like Taylor Jenkins like hasn't been doing a great job against the Warriors here? When you're down your centerpiece and arguably a top 10 player, would we all agree on that? Yeah, in John Morant. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. It's like I just mentioned for the Philly series, you go get weird and you got to find offense, especially because outside of jaw, there's not necessarily a ton of shot creation on this team. And Brooks, for all his faults, has some ability to do that. We saw what happens when Jaron Jackson, who I love defensively, is tasked with being the number one option. He went seven for 21. Disappeared in most of game two and three, two after having that crazy game one. So, did he coach a perfect game? No, but I mean, how many options did he have really? Tyus Jones did great in Morant's place, and all things considered, we take a step back. Pull Jaw out of the lineup at the start of game four. Most people, I I don't know if you guys would agree with this, I don't think they thought this game was going to be competitive, and Memphis was leading it throughout. Yeah, until until like late in the fourth. In the day, no less. I mean, if, if anything... You got to give them credit for giving them a chance to steal this game. And then if you make it 2-2 and you've got 5-7 and at home, then maybe you can devise something to get by. But, I mean, without your star and without, to me, a clear number two yet, I think Bain can get there, but he's not there. And he's clearly hurt, too. Let's let's not overshoot that. I think he did what he could. And it just was what it was. The Grizzlies had, you know, to Jenkins' defense, the... Grizzlies had a lot of defensive breakdowns. Like late switches, uh, they lost their man. Even right. that Wiggins three, that mm-hmm. he was super broke and didn't even <laughs> hit the rim. He was wide open. Jenkins was just guarding nobody. Or, you know, Jared Jackson, sorry, was just Jackson, guarding yeah. nobody in the key. Uh, and I just want to, you know, add on to what Sammy said. You know what it reminded me of? I know that, you know, as Warrior Warrior fans here and as a Clipper fan, we witness our teams in the Dark Ages. It reminded me, this game reminded me of our teams in the Dark Age and we're playing the old school Lakers or Spurs where, yeah, we're leading this whole game. There's hope. We don't have any superstar. We're going to win. And then... (laughs) Then it all falls apart. Yeah, all falls apart. The last minute of the game. You have the superstar, the closer, in this case, Stephen Curry. Yeah. 
just turns on that on switch and it's over. That's what it reminded me of, but I'm grateful that this time around, I was on the winning side. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know what I mean, fellas? Yeah. Ad, Does that Ad, make sense? Eddie had, Eddie sold, he sold that push. Oh, on, yeah. From Desmond Bain. Like, I'm sure Desmond Bain, like, he looks like a really strong guy. But I don't think his arms came that much forward. And, you know, that's another thing that Taylor Jenkins was criticized for because maybe he should have challenged that. But I want to ask a double dud here. So Steve Kerr tests positive for COVID, okay, before the game, which puts Mike Brown in the captain's chair for this game and maybe the next game. Steph Curry, in the in the post-game interview, basically was like, you know, happy for Mike Brown, and then says kind of sly-like, it felt like we got traded. We all got traded to the Sacramento Kings. And that was a reflection of how poorly they shot for this game. Dubber dud, Steph Curry throwing shade at Sacramento. JJ. Dub, he's already talking smack to the coach that's about to leave him. (laughs) It's a breakout waiting to happen. Why not clown on the next girlfriend, dude? There you go, Sammy. There is no world in this in which this is not an absolute dub because he's literally calling out the guy who just coached him in a playoff game before he's even left. It's hilarious. I'm I'm calling it a dub throwing shade at Mike Brown, but I'm calling it a dud throwing shade at Sacramento. Like, why you got to kick them while they're down? Why are they, why are they like catching trap? No, they're not even in the playoffs. They're not involved in this conversation, really. Anyway, I'm going to take us to our next topic here. The Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics. It is now 2-2. The last game was 116-108. This series has been unpredictable this entire time, I feel like. And so unpredictable that in game four, Al Horford, out of all the superstars in this game, goes off for 30 points. He's got like a play where he like posterizes Giannis. He, you see him like kind of, like kind of nodding his head as like Giannis dunks on him too. Like, okay, okay, it's a series. Like some weird like Al Horford confidence stuff. Does anyone have a pulse on this game? Do you guys feel like any one of these teams has control here. So, last pod, I picked Milwaukee to win this in seven. I'm going to very, very, very tentatively stand by that, but ooh, 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 very okay. tentatively. But I will tell you, I'm I have no confidence in that prediction, but I'm gonna go with it for now. I will throw out one thing in terms of talking about how we're gonna measure this series, right? One thing struck me, and I've kept noticing it, so I finally decided to pull the stats on it because I was curious. I want to run through Milwaukee shooting from three for you in these four games. Game one, 12 of 34. Okay. Three of 18, nine of 34, nine of 27. For the series, they're shooting 29% from deep. Anyone who underrated Chris Middleton before, I'd, I'd like you to look at Exhibit A because <laughs> they they can't space the floor right now. And with how good Boston is at pressuring, it's getting exposed. 
And I will tell you why I'm so tentative now about that Milwaukee pick. I still think they have the best player in the series and they have enough supporting cast to to still make a run at this. But man, would I feel better if their coach was Spolstra or Kerr or Jenkins or mm. someone not named Bud or Doc or <laughs> someone else with three letters. Um, because I don't know if he's going to adjust. And the other thing, too, is that Boston didn't even have Robert Williams again. His knee flared up before the game, but they expect him back for That's game right. five. Mm-hmm. So, it's, yeah, I I do not feel good about that Milwaukee pick. I'm going to stick by it because I think Giannis is going to adjust, but he looked exhausted at the end of that game. So He did look tired. Did you guys notice that? Like, well, I mean, You tell me, what were your thoughts on this? He definitely looked exhausted. Uh, not to pat ourselves on the back, but I did have the comparison where it was LeBron James versus the Pistons when it was LeBron James versus that big four, right? Or big five, I want to say, with Chauncey, uh, Prince, Rip, Wallace, the yeah, Wallace brothers, Wallace right? Wallace brothers, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if Giannis has the capability to keep up with this dynamic defense within the Celtics. That's the thing, right? That we're, we've been talking about in these, these playoffs, which have been super great. I feel like this year, you know, not to get off track, but there's finally parity. We don't know who could win the whole thing. But in each, Agreed. in almost each and every single series, it's the super superstar versus the quote unquote complete team. Right? Yeah. You have Jaw, the best player, versus the Warriors. You have Embiid versus the Heat. Now right. you have Giannis versus the Celtics. But the Celtics have a quote unquote, I don't know if you build this way, June and Sammy, but if the Celtics win, is Tatum an MVP candidate for next year? I will already tell you I'm planning on going to a place where I can legally log on to DraftKings <laughs> and place a wager on Jason Tatum next year. I think he's going to have all the Mario coins this year. Mario yeah, yeah, we're betting Mario coins here, and it's not financial advice, yeah. even though it's really great advice, Sammy. Myself, it's really great advice. <laughs> me, me only, in a place where I can legally do so. Yeah, well, JJ, what, go ahead. What do you guys like about Tatum, though? Let me ask you that. June and Sammy, what do you guys like about Tatum? But June, Tatum, I'll let you kick it off. But Tatum, it's his he's always had really great offense, okay? He plays with great pace, he's very effective, he's got a sweet looking jumper. But now his defense has taken the next level, dude. And we're not just talking about like a Steph Curry jump where it's like he could actually stay in front of people. This is like he could actually lock down people. Like if he was the best defender on another team and just like lost offensive, like all offensive capabilities, he would still be a starter with how good his defense is. Also his playmaking has made a huge jump. He just mm. seems to make the right pass. There's just a lot of things to like about Jason Tatum. Sammy, what do you think? So I agree with those. And then the other thing I would throw out there, it's going to sound a little abstract and I, I'm hoping this doesn't sound like a cop-out, but I feel like now his confidence is also shot through the roof. And when he goes on True. the court, you can tell that he genuinely believes he's the best player on that court and that right. he's good enough 
to lead that team to victory and he's more aggressive because of it he's not tentative at all in how he plays anymore and the other thing i like and i think this is the sign of a player who truly trusts his own talent is if he's cold shooting he doesn't stop and i think that's a good sign for for a player who's still relatively young and needs to be the number one on that team because jalen brown is a good player but he's not tatum yeah, Tatum that's a needs goal. to be the number one. That's yeah. a great point with the confidence because I, I genuinely think that Jason Tatum is looking across to the other side and it'd be so easy for him to just be like, I, I got to play against the greatest player in the league in Giannis Antetokounmpo. But he looks at him and is like, we're peers. Oh, now, Grandma. Like this is a head-to-head -head battle between me and you. So I, yeah. I completely agree with that. Um, I'm going to take us to this next topic here. Has nothing to do with the playoffs has everything to do about the Lakers. And <laughs> some odds came out for possibly their next head coach, okay? I'm gonna have RJ bring it up on the screen for those um, joining us on Twitch. Number one is Terry Stotts at two to one, Doc Rivers three to one, Mark Jackson at four to one, Darvin Ham at five to one, Steve Clifford at six to one, David Vanderpool seven to one. The list goes on here. What are some interesting names about potential head coaches for the Lakers? Man, uh, for, the, for the sake of discussion, I really hope it's one of the first three. Yeah. <laughs> I, like JJ, JJ's, ahead, I like JJ's slow uh here. Go ahead. Well, man. let me ask you guys this. Here's, sorry, Jen, I'm going to have to question your question, okay? Okay. Yeah. Who do you think the Lakers are going to hire? And who do you think? John wants to hire. Oh, who do you think God. they should hire? I, I, who do you think? Yeah, go, we'll break it down like that. Okay, All I'm right. gonna I'm gonna start with John. Okay, and for those who don't know, John is one of the co-hosts on this podcast, and he's he's not here today, so we can just kind of open up shop, <laughs> <laughs> not hold back anything. But he's our resident Laker, so he has a lot of like emotion um, emotional investment in this. And part of this list, if you go down a little bit, I think John would be a fan of Nick Nurse <laughs> at 10 to 1. And yeah. I know that <laughs> I know that he has a, a quote from previous pods, like, because I don't think he actually likes Nick Nurse. But I think if he saw Nick Nurse coach like the Lakers, I think he'd end up liking them. But he has this quote where he says, the Lakers are so bad, they don't need a nurse, they need a doctor. <laughs> but I think that would change. Sammy, what do you think? So, for John, I, I don't think he would want the big name. I think he would want someone to just come in who's just who's got a good system, has a good background in place. I wouldn't be surprised if he would be interested in maybe Darvin Ham or someone Ooh, along those yeah. lines on this list. Okay, Up someone he could like sell himself to a little yeah, bit, yeah, talk himself into it. Baggage like Clifford wouldn't interest me personally. I think Nick Nurse would be a home run, but I just don't see any way to get him out of Toronto. I don't think he would want to leave. But yeah, for him, I, I'm going to go with Darvin Ham. Jay, oh dude, come on guys, it's for John wants Terry stuff. Hey, <laughs> oh, no, God. let me take that back. Top fifteen. <laughs> He coined he the wants. term on this pod. He wants top 15. No, no, no. That's who I want. 
Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers. <laughs> that's that's who I am Lakers. hoping for, man. I'm, that's why I see I'm hoping you guys are right. That series ends in six games, and two days later, Doc yeah. packs his golf clubs and comes on back home to LA. Yeah, that's what yeah. I want more than yeah. anything. I, I think if that news dropped that Doc Rivers was uh, the new head coach for the Lakers after John just spent an entire season talking about Russell Westbrook, I think we might have to go out there and revive him because <laughs> that would be absolutely crazy. JJ, what was the other question? Who do you think the Lakers will hire? Will hire? I yeah. I honestly think it's Terry Stotts. Oh, my God. Oh man. I I honestly do think it's Terry Stotts. I think they could talk themselves into it. He's he's a very collected, well-spoken guy that I think Genie Bus would like. Also, he has a good track record. Not with winning championships, but with winning regular season games. And I think that's probably where it's going to go. Sammy I don't know if this is just me trying to speak it into existence or not. <laughs> Doc Rivers? No, no. I, I'm going to go with Mark Jackson. <laughs> oh. Baba, there goes that man all the Dang. way to Los Angeles to literally preach. And I think... I'd be think happy Gene, for Mark Jackson, not John. <laughs> yeah, I, I just... I don't know if you saw there was an article uh, Jeannie Buss interviewed with LA Times. An article got released today just about her disappointment and wanting to find the right coach to really lead the team and say what you want about Mark Jackson. And I will say, I don't think that's the right hire either. He would definitely be a very loud voice in the room. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if she was indicating she wanted someone with a little bit of a bigger voice going forward, who would still, let's say, cater to the stars. And Jackson's been out of coaching for so long that maybe some of the blemishes that were there when he left Golden State might be a little more overlooked now, even if they shouldn't be. So that's what I'm going to go with. Ah. JJ? I think it's Doc Rivers. I think he's going to get hired. Because I think at Philly, they want to hire Mr. Seven Seconds or Less Shooting. D'Antoni. Oh. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Match with Harden and that front office, right? That'd be okay. dope. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that happening. I think John's going to get mad at us when he looks at this list because all the way at the bottom, we didn't even mention Phil Jackson at 100 to 1. Mm. <laughs> I think John would probably like that, even though the odds are really bad. But anyway, that's actually all we have for tonight's pod. I want to thank you two for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Thank you, everybody. Sammy, thanks for being on. Always a pleasure. Thank you, everyone, for listening and joining on Twitch today. We appreciate it. And shout out to our video producer, RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast. And follow us on Twitter, at Clinic All NBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is The Clinic All NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.